episode 78 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about learning rules. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam and I talk about all the ways to learn rules to board games. This continues our Gatecrasher series, all about encouraging people new to board gaming to crash on in by giving our tips, insights, and experiences. Rule books are often what stands between you and the cool new game you want to play, so we'll be talking about how we approach learning games and what to do if you get it wrong. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Adam and myself talking about board game rules. To play the game, you have to know the rules. And today, we are going to talk about rules, how we learn them, what could happen if the rules don't get followed always by accident. Yeah, of course. Is what we're going to assume on this. And just what we think about rules and the resources we have available. So, mm-hmm. first off, Kelly, do you... What's a way that you like to learn the rules of a game that you do not know the rules to? I feel like I'm not very good at learning rules. I I feel like it's hard for me to... Sometimes theme helps because it like pulls the reasoning and logic together of like why why we're doing this because it can feel kind of arbitrary to me even as much as I like games. So I use all of the methods because sometimes it's just it's hard to get in there and I think it's one of the things that is commonly thought of to be the difficult thing about getting into board games is rules feel like homework you have heard about these board games you found one that you liked you went out and bought it and now you open the box and it's like oh first homework right it does feel like that and and you're right that is the first step though to a rules option is there will be a rule book in i'm gonna say every box of Should a board be. game yeah i don't think any game was intentionally made without <laughs> rules <With> no rules <laughs> I guess they used to be in the game lids. Oh, that's right. Or on the back sometimes. Yeah. On the bottom of the box. For a very, a very straightforward sort of game. By and large, that is not what we're talking about. Could you imagine if one of the like high strategy games had all oh. the rules written on the box lid and everyone had to pass it around? I'm it? telling you. It, I mean, it's to the point with these like high strategy, very complex games that they give you player sheets that are like cheat sheets of the rules in a box sized uh, format where like you kind of do need a reminder of what's going on that you can pass out to everybody. But no, if the rules for fields of Arl were inside the box lid, they would be (laughs) so small and I would not play it. I wouldn't play it. And I think there's a fair amount of games as we get into this, that if I actually only had the paper rule book, the likelihood that I'm playing it wrong, it goes up. The likelihood that I'm understanding it goes way down. So that's going to be probably your go-to immediate one, though, is that Mm -hmm. rule book. And some are excellent. And I don't want to speak against all rule books. I'm also not a rule book reader Mm. at all. Mm. Okay. Okay. I would have to pick a new hobby if that was the only (laughs) way to play games now, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Aaron is a rule book reader. And I think that uh, in a given group, if you're all okay learning from that person... You sort of only need one, and maybe, you know, statistically, it's likely there may only be one person uh, that's interested in doing that. Correct. Yeah, rarely are four people chomping at the bit to all, to, you know, ooh, let me read it next. Right, please. Ooh, ooh. R- right, right, right. right. I, think only, I think the chances of that happening increase if there's been some bad blood about someone reading the rule book and getting it wrong. 
then it becomes like a peer review of everyone's going to read the rules. And I think that's, (laughs) it is best if everyone does learn the game. Like if you're going to have a game day and you know what you're going to play, I think ideal state, everyone learns the game separately and then comes together and goes over the rules. But what I have described is exactly the same as some courses in school. Like that's, we're only circling back harder. You read the chapter at home. And then we're going to get together on Monday and we're going to talk about it. And then there'll be a quiz yeah. where yeah. we're going to all execute what we think and right. see who wins. It's a very specific kind of book club. But as you're saying, there are some rule books, even that said, that um, read better than others. I maintain that there's a difference between telling me the rules and telling me how to play the game. And I think some mm. publishers, designers, rule book writers feel that some of the excitement of board games is that I've told you the rules, but I haven't really told you how that translates into gameplay. And you get to find that out on your own. And you get to kind of take these like a logic puzzle, these isolated facts and understand how they tie together to this bigger game. I don't, I don't need that. I like when the rule book has a little thing where it tells you the rule and then it'll be like, and that means don't do this too much because you won't have any money. And I'm like, oh, okay. I don't want to play three times and be like, why don't I have any money? That's not necessarily how I discover and enjoy games. So yes, some of them will have examples inside. Some of them will have little tips on the side. Some of them will be thematically written in the kind of spirit of the game and others will feel very legal and uh, they will be better or worse. Like they're, there's standardization in the fact that there's a rule book, but aside from that, it is not consistent. No, there's no governing agency that's no. uh, mandating any sort of quality control here. No, I will say, I think they all do list the components that you should have in your game, which is kind of important to double check if you are if you bought a new game, and maybe especially if you bought a used one, to make sure you actually have all the pieces probably don't need to do that every time you open the box to find out like did I lose something last time probably not necessary but when you first get it that is pretty standardized pretty standardized they show you a setup of like what the game will look like there's usually a picture I'm not I, I do appreciate pictures so when there's not a picture I feel like I just have to read it so closely to make sure that I've uh done it correctly I and then the rules I don't know if there's anything else that I feel like is really in all the rule books no that's pretty much it other than probably some copyright information but i don't yeah. think spending a lot of time there no I, I i like a rule book that has like an faq in the back oh yeah that is one of my favorite features yeah because yeah. i'm skimming through the rule book at best <laughs> and that faq though i'll read that every letter okay and i think those sometimes do the how to play piece of it because it's like well wait a minute but couldn't i be here and then there and they're like you can and you'd be wrong it just helps avoid that mid-game awkwardness mm-hmm. of oh we all knew ahead of time that two players can be on the same space but as soon as a third person's there right we all lose or whatever it is right 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 and it's it's hard to remember all the rules that are ultimately arbitrary for also these arbitrary pieces you've put in front of you and depending on your group I think goes a lot. The people you're playing with goes a lot to say, how like legal are we going to get about this rule book? And that's a really good point. I think we 
when I say we, I'm going to say you and me in this. Yeah. Specifically, the, the number one rule is to have fun and to have it be an enjoyable experience, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, of a game. Mm-hmm. Some may disagree. I think... If your group is the same, though, it is helpful maybe to not be as yes. legally punishing of things is what I would say. It's one thing to all agree on something or if there is a dispute of the rules. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have to agree on what that's going to be at the end of the day on this. So, and I think the more forward we can be, and, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, maybe in a minute right now because we're talking about <laughs> it. The more understanding everybody has of this, the better. And so there's some strategies about how to make sure everybody knows the rules mm-hmm. and is learning the game. I think um, one of them could be a practice round. Mm-hmm. Some games do not lend themselves to that. It could be an hour and a half for a practice round yeah. or something. But yeah. some amount of seeing it being played. And that also kind of goes back to like you could watch a video of it being played, which is yes. somewhat the same as a practice round, just someone else's round. Mm-hmm. But I think taking the steps and explaining what you're doing I think it's one of the most important things while you're doing it and to hear someone else doing it so that as an example of a made up scenario, if you say, okay, well, my first phase is I have to place the moose on one of the cabins. And so then you do that. And now that I placed it on the cabin that gets me to food pellets, I take the food pellets. I think it's just a way to learn the Mm -hmm. structure, the phasing of the game. And so if everyone's doing that, we all fall into the rhythm of a game pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It naturally gives you the space to ask questions like, well, why are you taking two instead of three of the pellets? And right. things like that. Yes. And hopefully, if you're also paying attention to one another's turns, you can all be kind of collectively helping to teach and reinforce the rules if, if you're all aware of them. So if you're say, if you're speaking out what's happening on your turn, uh, you know, not everyone plays this cooperatively, even at a competitive game. But I have often told Aaron, like, why are you doing that instead of this? Like, this, doesn't this get you more points? Because I think, like, maybe I don't understand this rule. Because this seems like, well, you get eight points for going here and you only get four points for going here. So, why are you making that choice? And a lot of times the answer is like, oh, I could go there. So, for me... I, I'm more aligned with, I want to see the best game be played more than I want mm-hmm. to win the game. And that has caused a lot of conflict, even though it sounds <laughs> very, you know, uh, charitable. When the, if everyone's not on that same page, it, it's very unbalanced because then you're helping other people get more points than you and, and you're not, they're not giving you that help back. And I think Aaron's kind of told me like, Sometimes if you're doing that, it seems like you know everything that's going on. And I was like, that's very nice of you. I do not. All of this is rooted in the fact that I don't feel like I really know what's going on. Enforced by the rule book is that why you've come together is sort of arbitrary. The pieces are are arbitrary. But that's the co-op part of all of this is you have decided to play by this same rule book. Like you are kind of bound by that treaty together. And getting that getting that understood and underway is not always the smoothest process and once everyone knows the game well like you don't even think about the rule book maybe that much anymore for games that you play a lot but that is kind of you forging that relationship with one another and the thing that you're doing correct it it is it's the foundation of kind of all of this Mm -hmm. really and you're right there are games that Gosh, I, I don't even play infrequently, and I feel like I don't remember the rules, too. I always need, like, a refresher. I yeah. need to go back and look at it, even mm-hmm. when I have played it. 
several times on that. That's more maybe when I would use a rule book to kind of just skim through and usually it'll come back to me. But my, my favorite way is someone else explaining the rules to me. Yeah. That, that will vary slightly by the person that's doing it, of course. Mm-hmm. But if there is a good explainer, and the internet has many of these yes. on YouTube and such, that will just lay out what's going on, and I'm listening, I'm focused. Sometimes they'll play the game, which is a bonus, mm-hmm. but they don't even have to do that. Yeah. If they're wearing a funny costume, I'm on board. Okay. If they're not, I'm also on board. I'm less on board for the costumes. I That tends to be distracting. I think what can make rule books hard is sometimes they have come up with this language that is all their own. And like they've decided, you know, thing A is called this, thing B is called this. And I won't always learn that vocabulary fast enough. So then I'm referring back. So I do usually have to put the game out. Like the way I learn it the best is putting the game out. So for those videos... I, I haven't seen one where they don't have the game out and are kind of showing you everything as it's being talked about. And while you can kind of flip back and forth and look at the thing in front of you with the rule book, it is not the same as someone speaking the rules to you and then you getting to see the parts and the things they point at as they're saying them. Like, it's definitely more immersive. And I'd say uh, we'd be remiss not to specifically mention Rodney Smith from Watch It Played, who was kind yeah. of like the... Maybe Mr. Rogers of something like that, or Danny Tanner, some kind of very amiable father figure who ever so politely sits down with you and is going to tell you all how to play. And the things that aren't important, he'll leave you to discover on your own. But you'll be ready to get into the game. And it's very high production value, which he does in his basement, but it's, it's lovely. And he just goes through the rules, very good about giving examples, like clarifying examples, like you'd find in an FAQ section. He's really the forefront and forerunner of games being taught on the internet. And he has a nice quote about like why he likes doing it, finds it fulfilling because he also found like the rule book part of it. He didn't mind it, but he saw so many people saying it was challenging. And he really likes how rule books give these bits of cardboard meaning and purpose and he likes it like then they become imbued with more than what they really are and that is some meta thinking but he is he is taught on the internet with these videos i believe over 400 and i think he's chugging ever closer to 500 like i think he's closer to 500 than 400 different videos of games he's taught that includes monopoly oh nice that's good yeah and and to one of the best things about his videos, I think, is they are thorough, but they are concise. He's yeah. not adding any more to it than he needs to, which yeah. is not true as a general rule. There mm. are some very, very long rules videos out there. And his are scripted. And I think that's another thing. If chances are, Shut Up and Sit Down actually has a video about like how to, I'm pretty sure they have a video about how to teach games. So they give their own tips about it. And I believe in there at some point they're saying like, you need to know the rule book really well if you're going to teach the game to your friends. Not all of those rules explanations are scripted. Sometimes it is more like someone who knows the game who's kind of teaching you versus it being like a edited, sort of perfected experience down to like uh, the camera shots and everything. Now, different people will have like um, 
even visual effects that are highlighting things for you as it's happening. So like, yes, there's some very high production value rules, but you may also find that you like somebody who is not doing all of that. They're just thinking about rules and games the way that you are. So it like comes into your brain with less, uh, with less friction. Like they just are explaining it the way that the order in which you understand it. Is a great example to that. Um, another person out there is John Gets Games. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he is not wearing a costume. No. And he is not, it, it may comparatively be a little drier than others, but yes. first off, he absolutely gets games. And I will put this out there. I think me watching that, I think I am at an advantage to winning the game the first time because the mm. rules are that good if I sit through it. Mm. I think that's a good point. He he usually plays through, uh, he plays two-handed as I've heard uh, reference before. When it's just you, but you're playing many different players through a game. And it usually lends itself to the types of games that he's explaining. And I, when I do watch him, I agree that he is drier. There's something about the tone and quality of his voice that is fine, but I don't like. And that's nothing he didn't, you know, look at me on a podcast talking about how much I like someone else's voice. That's not even his thing. But uh, I will say he does a very good job when he's going through those turns. He's very clear about what he's doing. And I'll point out, because I'm pretty sure he was, is a teacher, one or the other. A lot of the people on the oh. Dice Tower were all teachers and eventually became full-time on the Dice Tower. Tom Vassell, C. Garcia, the, um, Mike Delisio, they were teachers. And, you know, it's not lost on me that like, oh... So these professional rule givers, like these professional instructors right. are, are good at sharing instructions. Yeah, I guess I could have picked up on that. Like that makes a lot of sense. So there is an element there too of, I don't know, if you have a teacher in your group, chances are they're going to be good at teaching. Maybe slide them the rule book. Maybe. Just, I, you know. I'm not saying you have to force them. It just seems like everyone will be playing to their strengths at that point. Now we've learned the let's say we've watched these things, mm-hmm. we've been told, we've read, we're playing the game, and we realize that the rules have been broken, the rules have not been followed. Yeah, this will happen at varying levels with your game group. Um, it happens. I don't even know how often would you even say it happens with us. Very often. Too much. Yeah. yeah. The in okay. when you log games in BG Stats app, which just kind of it can log them back into Board Game Geek. It's completely arbitrary, but you can keep track of the games you've played, who won, all that kind of stuff. And there's a way in there to mark ignore for statistics. And it's either because you didn't finish the game or you've realized you've played it wrong and you kind of agreed that you've played it wrong enough that it's affected like the outcome of the game. I we play a lot of games in a year, a lot of different games in a year. I think the more that you play the same game, it's probably less true. I think you're learning all new games all the time and it becomes hard to get all the rules right. And that's sort of understandable. But also if you all just misunderstand the rules from the get-go, maybe you'll play Istanbul wrong for years. And it won't be until an app comes out for it that you're like, wait a minute, this is way easier and different. What's going on? Oh, I can take an action there. Oh, I don't have to go back to the fountain. Oh, we've been playing this 
really wrong. So there's a group think there that you were all on the same page. And in some ways you just played a variant that doesn't exist. But yeah, I think that actually the thing is, I know how many times we've played wrong and known that we played wrong. I don't know how many times we've played wrong and just have no idea and games that we only played once and maybe for different reasons and never play again. So I think it kind of happens a lot, which also feels like a failing either of the rule book or as game players ourselves, but also it, it, this, it, it, it kind of doesn't, it, maybe it doesn't matter. Right. And that's, I guess my tip is, it's going to happen to everybody at some point. You're not going to follow the rule. And so be be graceful to people when they that does happen. Yeah. Right? When they're like, oh, whoops, I've been taking two gyms mm-hmm. and everyone else has been taking one. Mm-hmm. That's how I bought the carriage or whatever. Right. And, and so there is a human feeling of usually like frustration or maybe like a betrayal. Like, well, we spent three hours doing this yeah. thing. That doesn't yeah. matter. But it, it does happen to everybody at some point, usually. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you just figure out a way to resolve that. And sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's like, well, let's finish this out. And we now know going forward, and the next time we play or throw this away, that <laughs> we won't play that way. Um, sometimes you can catch it early on where maybe you get everyone's misplaying it. And then mm-hmm. you just make a group decision of, do we continue to play this way? Or do we now find some sort of corrective measure. I think we've run into that several times where we as a group learn the wrong rule or in the moment stumble across something that indicates that and then we yeah. just have to make that call. Yeah. I think what's probably the most common is we think we understand the rules and then in playing the game, something comes up and some of that comes from playing more and more games and kind of understanding how things have to work together. Something comes up where we're like, oh, wait, maybe we've been playing this wrong because now that I'm over here, that doesn't make sense at all. It wasn't clear from reading the rule books that like that was actually in conflict. That's the thing that Aaron's good at understanding inherently from a rule book, which is why I say he's very good with the text. He's not as much about watching other people, but that also is another thing that this isn't quite the same as rules not followed, but like he'll be holding back. I say holding back. He says he, he would not say the same thing. A clarification or like an edge case, or just like some other very small snippet about the rules that he does not necessarily care to share with everyone. And then will bring up this very fine point in the rules right as he takes advantage of said fine point. And technically that is following Correct. the rules, but I still hate it every single time. I agree. It's not my way of doing things. And I know he's not here to defend himself. No, so it's even not. easier to talk about it. So, yeah. um, but yes, <laughs> Yeah, it is. It feels maybe exploitative of the situation yeah. rather than just getting everyone yeah. on the same page. Like we talked about earlier, that's more what I'd rather do. Right. Um, I think you talked about like playing the best game. I'd rather play the best people. Like mm-hmm. I have a high need to win, but mm-hmm. I want the competition mm-hmm. at their highest level to get mm-hmm. the best satisfaction of winning. Right, right. So it's and then you're not you're not making a separate game of who understood the rules best. On top of who executed those rules in these games. Yeah. Right. Uh, We're saying, oh, you're going to mess up the rules by accident. And even giving Aaron some leeway that like, you know, can, how can he know exactly which rules to point out to everyone all the time? Like, I I get that. Doesn't feel the same when we're playing, but like, I do get it. There of course are people that will just take advantage of the fact that maybe not everyone understands the rules and they will flat up just not follow the rules. 
or they're just a regular old cheater. So just like in life where that might happen, this is still life. Classic pumpkin eaters. Yep. Pants yeah. On fire. This could still eaters. happen. I don't, have you played with people like that you're just so, they're just so clearly cheating. Do you even, like, how do you feel about that? Like, what do you even, how do you even address it? Do you address it? It's the last time it'll ever happen. Depends on the, the format of it. I've played with groups of people where it is just a different kind of mindset where it's even if it's not cheating directly it's kind of this arguing about things and that's who wins the game oh. whoever gets their point and i'm like i'm not that's not what this that's a courtroom that's not a board game oh like this, okay okay like things like that where regardless of the rule or well then you did this and it's all this like trying to backtrack and just it becomes a, an argument is all it is it's just people fighting so over this game it's not the spirit of the rule it's like a letter of the rule and that's what you mean like the courtroom part of it and we're not talking about the spirit of the Correct. law we're saying and, like, well, and it be, okay. it, right and it becomes did i get my way therefore i'm winning usually because i've been playing it some incorrect way things like that yeah. uh, not how i like to I i've played with people that are cheating before you, you, i just never play with them again like okay. i don't usually feel the need to make a scene because what are you doing you know i'm not mm -hmm. playing for money so it's or anything where the effect would nobody else is really getting hurt either you just kind of go about your day usually yeah. i'll make some eye faces at other people <laughs> if i'm playing with them like uh -huh. we all know let's just go on with it mm-hmm mm -hmm. So you're not trying to explode or expose, but you are pretty firm on never again. Oh, they don't even exist anymore after that point. <laughs> as a game player, as a person. So yeah, they're just... All right. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't... That really... I don't disagree. Maybe I disagree with they don't exist as a person anymore. Because I kind of think like, if you need to cheat at this, how's everything going for you? Are you Okay. Like you need this kind of arbitrary win. You need to get this point across. Like, how, what's happening in the rest of your life that this is worth kind of breaking the social contract that's happening here? Is, is how I see it. So yeah, I maybe have a little more, and you could you could characterize that as pity, and maybe that's really not much better. But uh, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very often. I will accuse Aaron of he gets wrapped up in his next turn and then he's just like, wait, why are you taking those resources there, buddy? Why are you, uh, what are you doing there? Why are you grabbing money? And then he's like, oh, oh, sorry. I'm just, and it's like, well, but if we would say for quite a while, got to watch him. I don't want to, I don't really want to have to bring that kind of energy to the game either. Like I want to play by the right. rules. I want us all to play our best game, but I don't really want a rule czar but I do want everyone following the rules. So it's kind of like, eh, how much do you correct someone and be like, no, you can't do that. Stop doing that. And how much is it like, oh, they didn't mean to do it. And now they can do the thing they're trying to do and telling them like, actually you broke a rule. You can't do any of that is very deflating. I think people sometimes don't feel a bit intimidated about getting into board games because there is very much like there's a winner, there's a right, there's a wrong, there's a loser. And it starts with homework. So you feel like very, like it's a test and then you're like i don't need to have test taking anxiety in this thing that i thought was supposed to be a fun hobby it's a good point and i think that maybe a tip and trick on that is mm -hmm. we all play a lot or learn a lot of games together mm -hmm. and so i think we are at least all at a starting point from the beginning i could see being very different if you were playing with 
oh, so-and-so brought this game over and they played it a hundred times and we're all learning the game. Mm. You're going to feel that rules learning even more so. And I think people getting into the game well, probably got into it because they knew somebody or that's a resource for them to be able to play more games. Yeah. So maybe that's a solution is to just, whether it's renting a game or going somewhere to play it or buying a new game, whatever that looks like, put everybody on an even playing field from the beginning. Maybe there's less of that then. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like when we'll be like, oh yeah, we all know the rules. But very often between us, it's probably just not happening in every group. We'll then go through, like we'll go through all the rules. Like, and then, okay, so you take three yellows here and that gives you a green here, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you can't do that over there. Yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we kind of start with that. And I think that is good, even if everyone thinks they know the rules. You think we keep bringing back up Monopoly because it's just so likely that people have played it. Even with Monopoly, people decide to change some of the rules as house rules. And that's just how they always play. So... Even when you all think you know the game, it's helpful to establish that like, okay, but we're also intending to all play it the same way, right? We're not kind of so used to some variant or some different setup or something that uh, we're going to overlook that. It's still good to agree what's going on. A hundred percent. You know, you kind of referenced Aaron kind of keeping track of some rules and stuff. Similar but different. I have the habit now of if there's anything I'm like stewing over... I just try to say it out loud. A, so that I understand it, because if you're also like thinking you understand some clever rule and you're wrong, that's also super not fun for you because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that happens sometimes too. So just to say, hey, to be clear, when I put three moose in the winner, winner circle, I immediately win, right? There's no additional round yeah. or anything. Like whatever that is, to be clear and then say how you understand the rule and then everyone agrees or disagrees i think is kind of the best structure mm-hmm. for those clarifications it's still going to feed back into how you are like thinking about the game because i think sometimes you don't always even consider it a clarification this is a little bit me advocating for aaron i don't think he's like making that distinction in his head i think that's something that you can even collectively do as a group before a turn because there are certain games that have a uh, collective like game in trigger where it's like well when this track gets to 12 and it's something we're all like contributing to uh it that'll be the last round and then the person whose turn it is then will get one more turn after everyone else goes and i think sometimes game event triggers things like that or you know it's the end of the round so that means at the end of this round we have to get rid of all of our wheat or whatever the case may be i think stating those kind of things out loud is is better and more charitable to like the experience that you're having more collective than knowing that in your head, maybe not saying anything about it. And then, cause you're kind of engineering your turns cause you've remembered it. It's hard to remember rules and it's helpful if you are reminding one another of the rules while you play. Definitely. And I think that's a good point too, is if you see somebody, they put their moose on the cabin and they were supposed to take two pellets when they take one, tell them to take two pellets. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I think making sure people are getting all the advantages they need yeah. from their action is important. That's definitely a game group thing, I think. And I think a thing that many people feel quite entitled to not share that. And they should have known the rules more. And if they can't remember the rules, they don't get the advantage. I detest that because... Even in a competitive game, I believe it's actually very cooperative to spend any time with anyone else. <laughs> so, like, 
And that's where, to some extent, I think that's part of where I'm like, I can do this by myself. I have no problem with solo board games. I don't need any of you people here. And I will say (laughs) that for solo board games, now you still want to follow the rules because they've made a game. But if you mess up the rules, you're really only, it's just your own time that you might perceive you've wasted. If that, because no one else is playing, maybe you're not even recording the score. It might be like, oh, you get three rolls and then you, st- and then if you don't do it, then you, you have to leave the barn. Well, in a solo game, it's only you playing. We're talking about a luck thing. You do your three rolls, you leave the barn. <sighs> have I gone, ah, what if I had one more roll? What would it be? Yeah, I have. And that's fine. And really, <laughs> even when you're playing with other people, and maybe especially if you're playing with people that have different interests or ability levels in the thing that you're doing, give them one more roll. Like, yes, these are the rules. And yes, people play test games to make sure that the rules make sense and work. And a lot of the things that happen in a game are kind of balanced against the strategy and luck available to you. And that's what makes the game work. So I don't say completely ignore these rules. But also, there's no, uh, as my cousin says, there's no police for that. If you decide that like, oh, you know, you had such bad dice rolling luck, just roll again, like roll again. Because at some point, like, are you having fun? What did you really come here to do anyway? And if an extra roll in Yahtzee, like if you are one away from getting a Yahtzee and you've already like zeroed out so many things. Right. I don't know. Roll the dice again. What are we doing? Why are we even here? Like, it doesn't have to be like this a really difficult exam. And you can choose to do the really difficult exam version sometimes and the more laissez-faire, as it happens, fun time uh, other times. Of course, there are games that are more suited for those different attitudes, but that doesn't mean you can't take a silly game really, really seriously and take a serious game really, really silly. Like... That's still okay and allowed. So all of these things about rule books, they don't, uh, you definitely do need to follow them to some extent because they are what's bringing meaning to the pieces in front of you. But you don't have to, it's it's okay. It is still a game. And I think that's, I think that is the way that I am okay with bending the rules is a little more the collective sense of fun and like, oh, you were so close. There's a lot of co-op games where you're playing against the game anyway, and you're kind of doing that. And so you can all win together and lose together. But I don't know. I'm very much more the spirit of the law than the letter. And I think the overall spirit is that you should be having fun, however that fun is for you, like however you describe that fun. No, and I agree. I think I think they're uh, like asymmetric games lend themselves to this a lot where if hey, there's all these different characters, but it's super not fun anytime someone plays the bandit. Yeah. Well, then just don't make that an option mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Things like that where, yeah, maybe in your group, that's just making it not fun when someone has some disproportionate ability or, hey, whenever this card is drawn, no one has a good time in this game. Yep. Well, don't play with that card. Yep. So yeah, I, I agree fully with that. I I very much agree with what you said of like, you can agree that if no one has fun or whatever the case may be, where it's just like, yeah, we're not doing that. Uh, that's that's fine. Sometimes you'll see that in party games where you're like, oh, if this isn't good for your group, you can like skip this question. You can feel free to leave out a question if it doesn't feel right. And I think that same attitude should be taken more, taken more places. It can also be too that just your game group, it's not even if there's anything wrong with the game or it's it, it might just be that the way your game group plays 
that always tends to go a certain way. So one character might seem overpowered and it's because the things, sometimes that responsibility to balance a game is on the players in it. And that's not always clear, like when you buy a game or even when you're first playing it. So you may find that because of that, one character for your game group is overpowered. There's more than one reason, I guess is what I'm getting at, that you might think that. It's not only, it's not always the same reason why you might end up there. It's not always that everyone has a bad time. It might be just the style of your gameplay and the style of that element. You can decide to take that out. 100%. Uh, you can also add rules like time. You can always make something a timed version if it's oh. like we don't want to spend nine hours yeah. on this. Like, yeah. yep, we all get 30 minutes for our turns. Let's get yeah. going. Aaron hates that. He he oh. he would just he'd rather not play. And I, again, that's a legitimate response. Some people, because you're coming to I think each different game and maybe games holistically, with kind of a different reason as to why it's fulfilling for you. And for some people, that uh, uh, being able to deeply analyze. There are times where I definitely get that. We were playing Rolling Realms recently. It's a dice rolling game. It's it's ultimately light, but there's a lot of resources that you can use to then get other resources that you can then get to use to get points. And I was just like staring at not very much in front of me, like how can I make it work? And just trying again and again in my head, like, no, not like that, maybe like this. Sometimes that's the enjoyable part of the game. And sometimes that is absolutely not what you're there to do. You're there to like roll dice and see if your attack hits the thing knowing why you all gathered together and knowing why you're there definitely informs those choices as like how are we going to approach things in this rules that maybe aren't a, a great fit for us and there's often variants in the rule book and sometimes they will specifically point that out you're absolutely right that's a good good point to look at it's a couple of good points, actually. Make sure you're reading the right rules for the number of players, first off. That's always fun when oh, you learn, like, that's the a uh, good four point. plus. Yes. And you're playing with two people or, or vice versa. Yes. There yes. are specific player count rules, and you're yes. right. Those variations, uh, consider those. So even if you don't have maybe, like, the best time or you need to fix something, they may have built in some options knowing that. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess expansions as well, which aren't necessarily a part of rules, board games have expansions and that just means there's additional content that gets sold separately often later where you can put that content into your game you get more rules as well uh to go with it and it somehow alters kind of the flow and balance of the game and there are definitely people who uh, will say like, oh, I will only play this game with this expansion or I will never play this game with this expansion. That's another kind of, basically it's a kind of variant that actually includes extra pieces, but that's something you may see. And it's possible that the original rules for the game, I mean, people aren't as good uh, as the rules with the expansion pieces. It balances out the thing that maybe you originally didn't like. Not always great to try to say, I didn't like this. Let me spend more money and see if that fixes it. (laughs) But (laughs) sometimes, sometimes it does. It's usually more often that you like a game so much and you've played it so much that you want more of a challenge or a variety, more variety in the content that's available to you. But 
sometimes it basically addresses the issues that you had with the rulebook or with the gameplay itself. And that's where I think uh, having the community help where, again, you go to your friendly local mm-hmm. game store. Maybe you tell them, hey, we didn't really have like a super great time. Like these were the parts we didn't like. Can we either look at games that are not like that? And maybe they'll say, actually, we get that feedback a lot. Here's how we either heard that solved or here's yeah. this expansion. Yes. So you may not have to go in blind to everything. Use the resources around you. Speaking of those resources, we've talked about using these video resources that you can learn games, the rule book itself, and the FAQ section therein. If you have done all that and you've come to a, a point in your game where you can't figure out what's going on, yet again, we're saying if you go on board Game Geek, chances yep. are there's forums for pretty much every board game. And you may have encountered a very common caveat that wasn't explicitly stated in the rule book. And sometimes literally the designer themselves, often literally the designer of the game, the person who decided what the rule should be, will give the answer as to how it should be interpreted. Sometimes the answer to how it should be interpreted kind of almost gently flies in the face of the rule book. And you know, making things is hard. So you just have to give them that. Sometimes there'll be updated versions of the rule book on Board Game Geek that you can download that if maybe, because sometimes things get translated, the the language you're reading it in isn't the original language it was written. And in that translating, like things just don't quite line up right. So it implies a different meaning than it actually has. So there can be updated rule books. There are also often player aids. Sometimes those come in a box with a game. But on Board Game Geek, just individuals will make maybe even standardized player aids across a whole bunch of games. Like, really, the community involvement on Board Game Geek is sort of out of control, as well as then the involvement of the actual people making the game. So if you really are playing it, get stumped trying to trying to figure that out. If you feel like, gosh, this rule book is okay, but like there are no player aids and it's hard to remember, we keep having to look to this certain page to see what the actions are or what these resources mean. A lot of times someone has already answered that question, asked and answered that question or made that aid. And of course, you could be that person. You could make the aid. You could ask the question because you don't see it and see maybe the designer will be responding to you and telling you, thank you so much for playing my game here's the answer to your question it you know basically is there anything else i can help you with like it's it's pretty it's pretty good it's pretty good that's a good point um and we also talk about the game stores they'll teach you how to play games a lot of times when you're in there if they have the time and space Mm. to do so uh they'll have like demo games out there so that's Mm. another way to learn we kind of talked about your friends teaching you or the internet teaching you but a game cafes, things like that. They'll just teach you live right there yeah. with the actual board and pieces in front of you. To some extent, that's in service of selling you a game. I bought a game once at a game store because it was out on the it was out on the table. They had like gameplay tables actually in this store. And the person working there was just passionate and interested about the game and talked me through all the rules and we like played a round as they did so and you know what? I bought the game, so it works. It, it worked out. It worked out. Thank you so much for listening to episode 78. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. 
You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. Watch It Played has 488 games as of now that they've done the rules for. More than enough to get you started if you think that that is going to be your preferred style to learn new rules to games. There's also some videos from Shut Up and Sit Down and Watch It Played about how to teach board games. What I'm saying is there's even more resources online for this. There's certainly going to be lots on Board Game Geek as well. But as we said, knowing all that, it's okay if you don't get the rules perfectly right. It's okay if you even change a couple to fit your group's play style. The next episode will be our Board Games of the Month for October 2022, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 77 more episodes headed your way, the next one being a Gatecrasher episode about buying board games. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. (laughs) 